everyone, and welcome to episode 303 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Zafrod Olive, and we have the full crew here this week. Kicking things off with the owner of MTG Gold, the owner of MTG Goldfish. Sorry, can't talk today. Richard, save me. How's it going this morning? I can't save you, Seth. <laughs> I've got nothing for you. I am doing well. Editor, keep that in. <laughs> oh, that's that's a that's that's good. You're doing better than I am because you said all those words properly. So off to uh, off to a good start this morning. And we also have another co-host in Krim, champion Krim. I guess we might say after this weekend. <laughs> how's uh, how's it going, Krim? <laughs> uh it's good it's good um yeah like I, I won the thingy and on top of that it's been a pretty eventful uh weekend so i'm excited yeah so we actually have no super huge topics this week but a bunch of smaller topics we want to jump around to uh crim's standard tournament over the weekend uh, the mocks happened this weekend magic online championship there was some interesting moto drama that took place in that event we got some like pseudo product stuff like kaya appearing on caltime packaging some promos maybe some new secret layer news and then of course answering your fish mail so that's kind of the overview jumping around from topic to topic today. But before we get into that, a reminder that this episode of the podcast is sponsored by Spikes Academy. And if you want to learn the strategies and techniques of the best Magic the Gathering players in the entire world, you can visit spikesacademy.com and learn from championship winners how to play Magic at a competitive <laughs> level. I'm sorry, I, I started laughing because I was thinking of Krim and I was going to make a Krim joke. And I was like, <laughs> wait, then people are going to think Krim's on Spikes Academy and that would probably ruin it. So not, let's say non-Krim championship level players like eh, Reduke. <laughs> Apollo, some really great magic players. Spice Academy also offers one-on-one coaching sessions where you can work with a world-class player on deck building, sideboarding, and whatever else you wish. You can level up your magic together game by visiting spikesacademy.com and using the code GOLDFISH at checkout to get 10% off any course you're choosing. So thank you so much to Spice Academy for supporting the podcast today. And since we're talking about Krim and championships, let's start off with that. Krim, you played a kind of big-ish tournament over the weekend, an invitational tournament that was featured on on the front page of Twitch and uh, did pretty well, right? Why don't you uh, share with the viewers how your weekend went and what the tournament was about? Uh, so yeah, it was. Uh, so I'm a part of an esports org, and uh, you know, they this whole thing got put on by them, and uh, they invited like tons of players or like a good like some pretty pretty big names. Um, it was a pretty stacked field. Like yeah, like it was a standard tournament. So I, for some odd reason, thought like you know, the night before the tournament. Uh, that it would be a good idea to to not sleep, mostly just because I I couldn't sleep because tournament nights the tournament nights before tournaments are always uh, just very difficult for me. I'm always like staying up and just like it's hard to sleep. So naturally, I, I'm trying to sleep and I and like six a.m. rolls around and check in for the tournament is at seven. So I'm just like, all right, well at this point we're not sleeping. So I couldn't sleep. Yada yada yada. Get it, uh, tournament time starts, and uh, I, I start winning it with a Demir control deck that I kind of just like threw together on stream, and I didn't think I'd get there with it, but it was like pretty funny. Uh, I was playing like a, like a bunch of singletons through the deck, right? Like it almost looked like I was trying to build a commander deck in standard, um, and like, and so uh, yeah, like it was it was cool. Uh, throughout the day, I got to battle uh, like. Uh, tons of great players and then top eight uh I, I i was i actually lost my my what i thought was my winning in um and i thought i was done and i was actually about to end the stream and i was like all right everyone i'm going to bed because i'm exhausted uh and 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 like they're like wait hold on i think like i think you should wait to see what the top eight uh like is gonna be like and it turns out i was one of the four and two players that got actually to play in the top eight uh, and I was like, oh, and here I was about to end end my stream and go to bed. <laughs> um, so I the whole time it was just like I I, I want to lose and just go to bed, but I can't lose. I can't even do that properly. So right <laughs> now I, I I have to I have to keep staying up. And uh, so into the top eight I go, uh, and the field was actually kind of good matches. I kind of prepared for a lot of girl and a lot of creature based decks uh, outside of rogues. So as long as it wasn't a rogues matchup, the deck seemed to have like, you know, performed extremely well. 
um, not only dropping like on stream at least maybe one or no like like two to three matches to Grohl. So that was perfect. And I was even able to beat Yorion, all that stuff. And uh, like a card that t- like tested really well for me was Midnight Clock. And, <laughs> and yeah, like Midnight Clock was just a card that allowed me to like fire off all my spells, cycle all my Shark Typhoons and not really care because I knew I was getting it back. Uh, especially uh, when when like the amount of times I beat Rogues with Midnight Clock. So it was nice to have that. Um, and then top eight, it was... Like me against right off the bat, it was me against uh, T- no, it was up against Grull, the opponent that I actually lost to uh, in the last round, and I was like, "Darn it, this is the one time my deck decides to lose to Grull, right?" And it, it's I took a greedy line and I got punished, uh, and and I deserve it. Uh, and then I was like, "Okay, cool, top eight, I won't I won't play greedy." I was, I actually got lucky and I beat uh, Shoop. Uh, you also might know Shoop from the top eight of the uh, other, the Mythic Invitational. And then um, I'm t- after that, I got paired against Holy Diva. And then uh, they were on Teamer Ramp. And I also got, I feel like, pretty lucky there. And I beat them. And then it was finals time. And this is where it got shaky for me because finals was against Andre Strashki. And uh, Andre already destroyed me at one Invitational. So I wasn't feeling too hot the second time around, right? But I'm like, okay. And of course, Andre is on Rogues, my worst matchup. So uh, if you actually go look it up on the Fade to Karma um, like Twitch channel, you can actually see the top eight get played out. Andre and I's matchup is like really good. Like it is just a really good game of Magic, um, with with a little bit of me trolling and getting getting punished for it along the way, but like, uh, like it was just a really fun and entertaining game of Magic, uh, especially game two, uh, game three. I I I'm telling you right now, like Clock and Shade are the the heroes of my my whole tournament. Uh, Skyclave Shade. That was uh, so. I'm looking at uh, at your deck list, and you're right that there's a lot of one ofs. You got one Ashiok, one Ugin, one Midnight Clock, one Elspeth's Nightmare, a bunch of one of like removal and counter spells. You have four Skyclave Shades in the sideboard. I'm assuming that was essentially your rogues tech, like bringing in like, yeah, mill me over, and I'll just like play these from my graveyard and beat you down. Uh, was that kind of the idea with having the four shades in the sideboard? Yeah. The four shades were pretty essential in beating rogues, uh, along with like giving myself an actual respectable clock um, against like Yorion decks because you know like it, it's great. It gets uh, they don't they don't keep too many Skyclave apparitions in against me, uh, so it felt good to just have something that got under ECD. And you know like if they had Skyclave shades, sure that was unfortunate, but like. Most of the time, they don't keep a full set. I, I gotta ask you, Grim. I also see a single Zerasan the Trickster at your sideboard. <laughs> is, is that there because you love rogues? Or is there actually a matchup where, uh, where you bring that in because it's good? Of course, there's a bit of rogue <laughs> love there, right? <laughs> Seth, let's be honest here. When I built the deck, it was made with love, Seth. It was made with love. <laughs> that, that, that's the secret to winning. Infuse yeah. love into your deck. <laughs> Love is the key component to all deck building. And, uh, like, yeah, like, I, I did have a plan for it, and it was so that I can kind of bring it in as a flash threat, uh, in like the slower matchups that don't expect me to have anything. I kind of become this blue black semi aggroish deck, I guess. Uh, like, or I mean, it has a gra- <laughs> Yes, yes, my idea. It's like, I it- have a creature now, so I'm aggro. <laughs> yes, I think this is aggro. <laughs> <laughs> and uh like it it was meant for like the like in in the event that like example I got paired against Yorion being able to steal back like a cycled shark typhoon or any big enchantments hitting them with their own doom foretold for the memes while also being able to pick important cards off of Grull like being able to get like an ember cleave or even like a uh whatever the great henge right and they also bring in like tons of like bigger mana stuff post board so, like, they, they have Ox and et cetera, et cetera. So you never know, right? Like, I mean, Ox discards my hand, but if I'm Hellbent or something like that, I can I can go nab that. So there were just some slots where I liked it, um, like Rogues also. So, uh, like, yeah, like, the, the, the version of Rogues this tournament was actually the worst version of Rogues for me, uh, which is the one that doesn't play Luris, 
which means they play Brazen Borrower, which means they can bounce my clock. And I don't mean my Xerath, although <laughs> the other clock, uh, as in Midnight Clock, and, uh, and, and also played Shark Typhoon. So it was a very difficult matchup, and Xerath was there to try to steal a few car- a few cards from them. So obviously, huge congratulations! Like that's a, it's a really sweet win over a really stacked field of uh, of players. Let me ask you from a meta perspective. I've mostly been playing historic since Kaladesh Remastered came out, and also some modern. So I haven't played much standard in the last like week or two. Uh, where's standard at in general? Since you've been playing a lot of it this weekend, is it still in a relatively like good, healthy place where something rises up and then something else will be able to beat it and knock it back down and we kind of go through that rock, paper, scissors? Yeah. I mean, if you look at the the way, if you look at my deck list, right, it's it's very apparent that like a deck like that would not be able to thrive or do well in the meta that was here, you know, the pre- any of the previous metas for the last two years. It is a deck that I love. It's an archetype that I love, and I a very much so a pet deck, if you would, and made with love once again. <laughs> it, is, <laughs> it is like you can look it up and actually see the deck list, everyone. But it is a very crim deck. Like picture what you think of is crim, and it's essentially like that in <laughs> in deck form. Like it's just all the cards that crim likes. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. <laughs> It is true. It is definitely like, oh, Krim just, I can't tell if Krim just plays it because he likes that card. Or is this good? So like the biggest, the biggest question I got. Because, uh, because you just won the tournament. So (laughs) it's called getting lucky. See, once again, better lucky than good. (laughs) Would you recommend this deck to other people? I know there's sometimes, I think Jeff Hoogland, someone who, is kind of famous for this or was kind of famous for this when he played paper magic that he would like mm-hmm. go to an SCG and do really well with like just a horrible like five color collected company court of calling pile that no one else could like win a game with but Jeff would just go and like stomp the field with it is this a, a crim deck in the sense that it's something you can win with because it's your style of deck and you poured all that love into it or could someone like <laughs> pick up this deck and do well with it on arena do you think even if they're not you i i would say that it is a very difficult deck to pilot just because i have singletons in there as a silver bullet and a specific use for a very corner pocket situation so like it's not like uh, the majority of the cards are very intuitively like good like it's like oh okay well this is just obviously here for x y and z um, so I, it is, it is something that I definitely just spent a lot of time, played a lot of on stream, uh, and just kind of came to this conclusion and like, you know, this final list. So like, I know that like, like chat would like make it seem like in the streams, like, like some people are like, oh, the deck just pilots itself. Uh, like, because normally Krim punts and it's like, <laughs> yes, I do punt a lot, but tournament Krim, there was a point in my life where <laughs> there was a spiky Krim, uh, <laughs> We, we, we call him Simic Dave, though. We call him Simic Dave. We, we, that part of me, I, I, I never want to bring back, but Simic Dave does still exist somewhere. <laughs> it's just a, a very weird deck. So I don't know. I mean, it, it just, you'd have to play it a lot. I, I think that's the whole thing. Yeah. It sounds like a deck you'd have to get in a lot of games with to, uh, to kind of learn all those corner cases you were talking about and the purposes for all the cards, but. Yeah, I mean, apparently if you practice it and play it well, you can be rewarded because uh, that was a definitely a super impressive performance this weekend. So again, like huge congratulations. That's super sweet. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, but Crim Tournament was not the only tournament of this weekend. We finally had the Magic Online Championship, which was supposed to happen, I think, almost like a year ago now. It's got pushed back and then finally it happened. So the tournament happened. It was an interesting format. It was Cube Draft, Pioneer, and Modern. And they did kind of some of the tricks that they've used on past Super League events where, especially for the top eight, you would have your Pioneer deck and your Modern deck. And based on who uh, was the higher seed, they got to either choose the format or choose if they wanted to play first. So in the end, it was uh, Logan Nett. Uh, losing to Michael Jacobs in the finals. Deckless not super important because it was this weird split event, but the big thing I want to ask you guys about, there was some huge moto drama that came out of this event that I think was pretty interesting. So uh, let me lay the, the foundation of what happened, and then you all can weigh in on it. So it was the first day of the tournament. 
It was Oliver 2 against Michael Jacobs. Michael Jacobs is playing Heliod Company in Modern against, I think it was Omnath Control that Oliver was on. But Michael Jacobs, he assembles the Infinite Life Heliod uh, Spike Feeder combo. So rather than clicking through Infinite Life, which takes a while on Magic Online, the players agreed that they would just pretend that Michael Jacobs had Infinite Life. So essentially, Oliver wouldn't try to win with damage. The game ended up ending. So fast forward to game three, the same situation happens. Uh, Michael has infinite life. The clocks are running down and Oliver untaps. It just like swings in with a huge board full of field of the dead tokens and kills Michael Jacobs, violating the gentleman's agreement of pretending like he was an infinite life. It ended up with both players like apologizing to each other. In the end, Oliver went to the judges and like got the results overturned. So officially, Michael Jacobs won, even though he didn't really win. But what do you think about this whole gentleman's agreement thing on Moto? Like, is that binding? Is it cheating to violate the agreement? Is it even worth it to have agreements like this on in tournaments, or should people just have to play their deck? And if you're playing a combo deck. The downside is you got to take a lot of clicks and it's going to eat up a lot of your clock. What do you think about this whole like ridiculous gentleman's agreement situation? That I I th- uh, yeah. yeah that that's a scumbag move, man. Like okay okay here's the deal. Okay, you can ask for the agreement, right? Let's say your clock is low and clicking through is going to take you time. Your response should be no. Gain the life. I'm not going to honor this agreement, right? You shouldn't say. Yes, you, let's pretend you're at infinite life and then turn around and backstab him, right? Like, this is not a game of Commander. The fact that it's being streamed and broadcasted, like, I don't know why you would do this move. Like, it just looks bad no matter what. Like, I don't, I don't know, man. Like, technically, you can do it, right? Because technically, you attacked with combat and you won. But there's, like, no, it's like, I think it's worse than rules lore. Like, there's no misrepresentation or anything here. Like, he's saying, Let's pretend I'm an infinite life. Are you okay with that? And if you say yes, and you then go ahead and not honor that, like I feel that's that's just too much. Especially if it's being streamed. Like you, like there's no way you're getting away with it. So I'm not sure why. The only explanation is you forgot and you clicked through attacks by accident, right? But eh, I don't know, man. It's a weird move. It's a weird move. I, I don't know what you would expect the outcome to be outside the like internet outrage yeah i mean that that's pretty much kind of like how i would look at it like i mean normally i would also say that i'm not i'm not gonna like i i wouldn't agree to anything like show me the infinite yeah. you know i would say do all of that so like i, I but the, the fact that there was some kind of verbal agreement uh i i think that i would i would have i would honor that like right like i mean why wouldn't i yeah, so, <laughs> I I think the unfortunate part for Oliver of the whole situation is it was all being streamed and it was agreed to in the chat. So of Moto, so there is actually like a written record of the. It wasn't even like an applied verbal agreement. Like all of chat could see the agreement in the text box on Moto. So once the backstabbing occurred, people just lost their minds and everyone was was just flipping out about it. <clears throat> I That's would, that juicy esports drama I, I you want, like though, right? Ending, though, right? Like, <laughs> I don't know, man. I feel the damage reputation is not worth. Let's say, let's say he gets away and like wins this event somehow, right? Like, that's not worth the damage to your reputation in in like such a community, right? Like to be known as like yeah the cheater or or some like not like not even cheating, right? Like like tricking someone, bad, right? Uh, <laughs> like I I don't know, man. It's just too much, right? And then like. We're all Bodo players. We know how clunky it is to, like, do the stupid loops, right? Like, if you really want, like, just say no and make them, like, click and gain, like, a thousand life, right? Like, that that, that could be a strategy, right? If you want to play a combo deck, you need to do your combo efficiently uh, to save clock, right? And if you run out of clock, that's your problem. I think that's a fair line to take, right? But to say, yeah, yeah. go ahead and then just, like, backstab, I think that's uh, iffy. yeah. I think that's the the big takeaway. Like, I think it's perfectly within both players' rights to ask for some sort of agreement to avoid going through the combo. But I think 
in that context of a $250,000 tournament that is like pretty high EV and very competitive, I also don't think it would be wrong to just be like, oh, no, sorry, like <laughs> you chose that deck. We're going to play it, you know, the way you got to play it on Moto. So I don't think you would feel like uh, you would have to agree to that. I think in a random like league or something or a more casual setting, I would definitely encourage people just for the sake of like both people's sanity to shortcut things when possible, because I think both players lose when someone has to click through like a combo for 10 minutes like you're losing 10 minutes out of off of your life too that you could be doing something more productive with so in like more casual settings i definitely would encourage people to do it but i was kind of surprised that they would have such an agreement such a competitive event i do think like it's important to point out oliver did apologize and essentially just say that like he was wrong he made a mistake so that is what you want to see uh from someone who makes a mistake i'm sure so I'm sure some people are still going to hold it against him, and probably rightly so. But at the same time, like, it wasn't technically cheating. I, it's definitely, like, any very extreme form of rules lawyering, I think, in my opinion. But it wasn't, like, against the rules of magic, technically, which is part of what makes it a really weird situation. Like, if it was obviously against the rules cheating, then I think uh, you would definitely suffer a huge uh, hit to your reputation, probably end up getting banned and all that stuff. But since it wasn't technically cheating, I don't think there's any risk of Oliver being banned for it. I think people maybe will view him differently now, and rightly so. But uh, what a just weird, weird thing to have happen at a $250,000 tournament. I mean, when you start, I guess, you know, sometimes when there's that number being thrown around of, like, prize money, you, you can get blinded by that in the heat of the moment. But, uh, yeah, I, like that. <laughs> I don't know. It reminded me of Jake. That was the first thing I thought of, is, like, the early seasons of Commander Clash with Jake, where you would make an agreement with him, and then he would just be like, do the opposite and be like, yeah, I lied. <laughs> just, like, straight up. <laughs> straight up saying that he lied. Like, it reminded me exactly of something Jake would do. <laughs> I mean, that's, now that's perfectly fine a commander in a game tournament. of Commander. <laughs> right? That's perfectly A fine. Commander tournament. $250,000 on the line. All right, I'll help you out in this one pod. <laughs> Boom. So top 10 anime betrayal. Check this out. No, son, and I'm taking the money. <laughs> it definitely got people talking about the mox, though. So I guess in that sense, uh, all publicity is good publicity or something. So maybe yeah, maybe it was good for the tournament overall because people were talking about it. Once again, it's that juicy esports tournament drama that you need from Magic. There you go. Oh, gasp. <laughs> what a twist. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So I think any other tournament stuff before we move on to uh, a couple other topics before we get to our uh, fish mail today. All right, let's uh let's hit up some other topics kind of quickly. These are I would say like pseudo product announcements, like they're I wouldn't call them leaks, but they're also not official. So, number one, we have... Well, why don't you tell us about Kaya, Richard, actually? Why don't, why don't you describe what went down <laughs> with Kaya and Keldheim this week? All right. We we have a photo of really beat-up boxes of Keldheim. Like, literally pulled from the trash. Like, actual trash. Beat-up is pretty generous. And the cover of it is, is Kaya. So, Kaya is in Keldheim. We know this. Via the dumpster diving picture. I, like, I, I don't know where this came from, but uh, Kaya's there. So I think it's safe to assume Kaya's confirmed for Caltime. I'm so excited. I love Kaya. So, and, and, and I, oh, I, I, I think Kaya's great, especially after the last set, uh, version of Kaya. I, I wanted to see more Kaya in standard. So, ooh, oh, boy. It's going to be a big Kaya, I mean, though. Uh, great. It's on the packaging, though, so it should be an actual good card, you would think. Like, this is, this isn't going to be War of the Spark, where Kaya was, like, kind of one of the throwaway huge group of uncommon planeswalkers. It seems like Kaya's, if she's on the packaging, probably going to be one of the focuses of the set, which is really sweet, because other than the uncommon Kaya, which I know you played a little bit, Krim, at certain points, but it uh, really... that was to get around Veil of Summer. <laughs> it really, like, that one didn't really see any meaningful play, but both of the other versions of Kaya... I think are like really unique and pretty powerful, but in the way I want planeswalkers to be powerful, where they're kind of like niche. They're not like Okos that every deck is going to try to splash four of, but in the right context, both of the previous uh, Kaya's were really good. Yeah, I, the three mana Kaya is is amazing. I, I think that card is super sweet, especially in like I, I, the amount of decks I, I play her in like my modern deck. 
uh, played her in my, you know, Pioneer deck, and of course they're all Esper. And, uh, like, yeah, like, the other Kaya before that is great in Commander, so... I mean, I'm hoping to see this one uh, come out, like, as another cool... Because they've done a very good job of designing Kaya. I've really liked Kaya. My my only comment on this is it doesn't look very Harry (laughs) Potter-ish. No, 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 no. That's Strixhaven. (laughs) Kaldheim is the the Viking set. Oh, it's the the Viking set. set. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) That's why she's got those, like, spectral axes axes, to throw at people. This is the Viking set. Oh, I thought this was Harry Potter. No, yeah, I'm so excited for Strixhaven for multiple reasons because I, you know, when Strixhaven comes out, I'm gonna say make so many jokes. Look, I went back to school, ma. <laughs> like, <laughs> but I, like I was looking forward to Strixhaven, but now after that <laughs> joke, I'm not so sure. <laughs> I'm going back to school, ma. I did it. <laughs> All right, so we still got a little while till Kaldheim. Expecting spoiler season to start, usually for the winter set, right after the first of the year, like almost immediately, like January 2nd or something. So that would be (laughs) like... Somebody goes dumpster diving (laughs) some more. Yes, it definitely looks very dumb. It's even on, like, if you see the picture on Reddit, it's even in, like, a huge pile of trash, it looks like. There's a bunch of, like, cut-up papers and stuff behind it, so it really looks like someone went to, like, the printing factory and, like, just searched through the dumpsters until they found some thing uh so that was fun we also got a spoiler technically we got this year's holiday promo uh (laughs) richard have you seen uh top deck the halls all right top deck the halls from this year's holiday series it's silver bordered so you can't play it unless you play commander or something with silver bordered cards but three red and a white five cmc enchantment decorated cards in your hand have miracle for a single snow mana Decorated cards include premium promos and cards with alternate frames or art. At the beginning of your upkeep, if you control 12 or more decorated permits, you win the game. I mean, if you could use silver-bordered cards, this is a, this is a sweet card. I, I would actually let uh, <laughs> uh, friends play with this at least once or twice <laughs> until we all lose. Get every single broken card miracled for one snowman. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's it's a it's a cool card. I think it's really fun. Um I like I'm glad they're finally like like a good amount of these newer silver bordered cards are actually like kind of like playable, right? Like they're they're not like uh, like just actually not playable. Like they there's no application in the game. Like the last the last one, the one that uh they sent all the content creators was like a what is it? Decorated Knight. I love that card. It was perfect in Commander because it's hilarious to troll friends. Like, I had a plan where I, my, my, one of my friends hated Nekusar and, and scarred him to the extent because, like, we both started playing Commander together. Uh, and, uh, and I, I built a Nekusar deck. And so what I did is I just took my decorated knight, put it in my other deck. Said no, don't worry. Well, I, I won't play my uh, my Nekusar deck, and then <laughs> I played Nek. Then I grabbed the Nekusar deck with decorated knight, switched out my deck with it, he's, and he just didn't want to play. So, <laughs> oh, I'm I'm glad to know that Krim makes his uh, IRL commander friends not want to play, not want to play Commander Two, and it's not just a Commander Clash thing. <laughs> Oh, yes. The few IRL friends that I now have, thanks the, to Commander. The few, that, the few that are left, yes. Yes, the remaining few. Uh, I think Top Deck the Halls is really sweet. I think I really like the alternate win condition part. I think the idea of, like, incentivizing people to play promos and so forth is interesting. I do think it would be absolutely busted as a Black Border card just because of the, the Miracle cost. And it would be a weird Black Border cost because it kind of is, like, extreme pay to win because in theory like decorated cards promos alt frames those are like the more expensive cards so this is a card that like would very much be like hey if you're willing to spend three times as much and get the promo version your deck's going to be way more busted so i'm glad it doesn't exist in black border but as a holiday promo it's real enough that i would also like let someone play it in their commander deck for fun probably not you know every week for the rest of the year or something but a couple <laughs> of times to see what it was like uh so i think it's definitely cool the other thing that was interesting for about the seasons the, for the for the seasons yes for the holiday yeah. special the other thing that was interesting is they said that they are sending it to partners of wizards and wpn stores around the world which in the past i thought they just sent these to like 
content creators, like friends of wizards, employees, people like that. So based on the announcement, though, it sounds like WPN stores are going to be getting them. I don't know if that means maybe if you want one of these, you can talk to your LGS and be like, hey, like, <laughs> are you going to actually have these to sell or give away? Because it sounds like they're actually going to uh, to LGSs this time around, which is cool. All right. So one other piece of news, uh, and that comes to us partly from the rumor mill, partly, partly from Arena. So there had been a rumor going around, or like a leak, I guess, that there was going to be a Bob Ross secret layer drop, uh, featuring basic lands, presumably, from Bob Ross paintings. This week, when Wizards updated Arena for Kaladesh Rebastard, also on Arena, although you can't actually collect them yet, but on the client are 10 lands, basic lands, two of each basic land type, featuring Bob Ross paintings, which most people are taking to uh, confirm that we're going to be getting a Bob Ross secret layer drop based on that. Did you guys see these lands? How interested are you in a Bob Ross secret layer drop? I don't. It doesn't like it's not like oh I woke up today and I needed a Bob Ross secret layer. <laughs> oh, so. I could have never watch the but... joy of painting. There, there, there are two <laughs> lands for each each one. So there, there's ten total lands uh, that you can see on Arena. They look like Bob Ross lands. Like I don't know what more. <laughs> you can see them with like the the palette knife or whatever, just making the mountain and the little fan brush making trees come out of nowhere. Uh, if you guys haven't watched Bob Ross, I don't know how it was like streamed on Twitch like multiple times for like forever, but like he just makes painting look so easy, and then you try it and it looks like total trash. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I think I, th- I think this will be a walk of initiative. They're going full full meme here with the Bob Ross lands. We'll see how well they do. Let's see if people who like Bob Ross will actually shell out the money for them. Uh, but I I. I'm going to buy this secret layer if it exists because remember the last one, the Mimi one? Well, they, they threw – like, I mean, yeah, for obvious reasons, they threw Tibalt in there. But if there's a chance that I can get a white-bordered Planeswalker or Tibalt in this, I, I want <laughs> so it. So you, you're just getting it for the bonus card, not, not for the Bob I, Ross I, I hope. I, yeah, like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, obviously, painting – I'm not, like, discrediting Bob Ross's painting skills or anything like that. I just – yeah, right? Like, it's like, oh, it doesn't make me jump out of my seat and want to buy it. The idea that I might get a white-bordered card, even though very, this could very quickly be, uh, like, you know, completely dispelled, but, like, <laughs> oh, well. Oh, I mean, each, I, each of these cards comes with a tutorial on how to recreate the art if you want to watch <laughs> the episode um, and, and see how it's actually. It. It's actually, I was going to point that out, and I'm actually, like, really excited for this. Uh, Bob Ross Lands is something I think I asked about getting on Twitter, like, six months ago or a year ago, because I think Bob Ross is really cool, and I do like uh, his paintings. But I think maybe the coolest part of these lands is there's a website called twoinchbrush.com, which is all about Bob Ross. It also has, like, community paintings. You can see the Bob Ross painting, and then other people who, like, tried to paint the same thing by watching it. But the big deal is... Every episode, I believe, is on this website, and Magic Community people have already started, like, going through the episodes and finding the ones for these lands. So if you want to actually see the art of these lands being created, all those episodes are available online, and you can watch from, I don't even know, like, 1980-something, or whenever the actual episode was filmed, the actual, like, creation of the painting that later became the Bob Ross lands, which I think is, like, actually pretty cool. I expect these are going to be really popular, and if there's one thing we've learned so far about Secret Lairs, and maybe this one will be different because it's popular, but in general, the best Secret Lair drops in terms of values so far have been basic land secret layer drops, which people tend to like underrate when they first come out. So not many people buy them. And then if you look back at like the snow covered uh, lands from the initial secret layer drop like a year ago, that's one of the most valuable of all the drops that has ever been made. So I think there's probably good value here as well. Like again, assuming that the rumors combined with this arena artwork, like putting that all together, assuming that does mean there actually is a secret layer drop, but it is not a hundred percent confirmed. It seems pretty likely when you had everything together, but it hasn't been like officially announced, announced yet uh, that we are getting the secret layer drop. So I, I think this is the first secret layer I'm going to purchase. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. This is the this one? Is the one? This is, that's like, you can't afford Bob Ross art, so you can afford little pieces of cardboard with his art on it. So here you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
right. I wonder I wonder how much it'll cost. So on one hand, they're basic lands, and players associate basic lands with cheap. On the other hand, it appears like there's 10 of them, which is a lot more than most secret layers, which could lead to wizards being like, hey, most of them are five cards. Most secret layers are five cards. So this one's 10 cards, so we're going to charge double the price. Give me your prediction. How much will this secret layer drop sell for, assuming it is an actual thing? Ooh. 40 bucks. Like how much is the Godzilla lands? Uh, I believe that was a thirty dollar. Thirty for five? Yeah. Yeah, I say forty bucks. Yeah, forty. Forty bucks, bucks would be reasonable. To be the spot. <laughs> I would. I would be fine with forty bucks. I would be a little disappointed if they went like fifty or sixty on the justification, like, oh, you're getting a lot of cards this time. Uh, but I think forty bucks would be would be reasonable. The only thing that's like kind of a bummer is if you actually want to play a deck full of these lands. Ugh, you're probably going to actually have to buy a lot of those secret layer drops to get enough basics to actually fill out a deck. I mean, or you just be like me and just play a bunch of singletons. Oh. I mix and match all my artwork all the time. <laughs> Everybody yells at me for it, but I don't understand why. So <laughs> Richard definitely knows. Oh. You, he's seen my modern decks. You you need to get... <laughs> You, what you really need to do is just get, like, 10 or 20 friends to each buy one, and then everyone, like, get one of the lands. Like, trade them with each <laughs> other, so you get all of the certain basic, and everyone has, like, an actual playable amount of, of one of the lands, rather than, like, one each of a whole bunch of different ones. But what happens when you decide, hold on, now I kind of want the artwork that I traded away? <laughs> oh, that's, that's the curse of the secret layers. Limited time only, and then they're gone, so... <laughs> Uh, anyway, anything else y'all want to talk about before we get to fish mail? I think those are all the topics that I had on the docket for today. Yeah. All uh, right. Richard, yeah. I guess, uh, I guess fish mail us. All right. If you have questions, send them to at MG Goldfish with the hashtag MG Fish Mail. And we'll get to your questions on air. Uh, Crazy Crowleys, when are you going to make a deep dive brew series uh, video where we watch Seth's thought process as he makes a deck from the ground up called In the Tank? Ooh. I do like uh I do like that land. I don't know if that would be interesting for people to watch. Like that's always been my catch. We've built decks on stream a few times where we just kind of like decide on something we want to play and put it together on stream, but I've never actually done a video of it. I just I don't know if it would be interesting content or not because sometimes it takes a while. Like the deck building process is often like put a deck together realize that that deck sucks, uh, take and change some cards, it gets slightly better, do that for like a few hours, and then eventually end up with a deck. How to actually turn that into watchable content? That's like the hard part, I think, for me. Yeah. Oh, I think it sounds yeah. more exciting than it actually is in reality. <laughs> in reality, it's just Seth looking very deeply into the abyss <laughs> as he like crafts a deck, and he's like, okay, here we go. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> but I do think it's a cool idea. If I could figure out a way to do some version of that that I think would make sense for content and actually be entertaining, I would definitely well, be down for it. I just haven't really figured out how to do it. You could definitely do it, but it would be, like a, at least the way I would see how it would go, but it would require a ton of, like, production, right? Like, as in the hours of editing and whatnot that would have to make every... <laughs> Essentially, it would kind of just be in this the vein of like like an Eric Andre show kind of thing, but with you build deck building and like lots of memes, lots of memes would be in there. <laughs> I don't know, but that's that's probably just me watching too much Adult Swim. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next up we have Fuzed. How's this for a crazy idea? On Arena, let people play with banned cards in play mode. It's not ranked. It eliminates the feel bad of crafting and getting banned out. Uh, let people use their cards instead of being dead in a collection. Oh, hmm. What about a no ban queue? The only thing I would worry about with being like, hey, an unranked there's no ban list is, does that mean you're just going to play against, like, Oko decks and Omnath decks all the time? And under like, is that going to push people into that play mode and take it away from the more, like, casual crowd that it seems designed for? Is it going to be the place for people to play their broken decks if they can't play any place else and just, like, stomp people that want to play their intro card decks that they get for free or whatever? That would be my worry with doing it that way, but it would be sweet if there was a place you could still play banned cards, because it is a little weird to spend money on cards and on, like, card styles and all that stuff, and then have them end up 
with some of them where there's literally not any format on all of Arena. I think Teferi's in that place now where like no format that you can play on Arena <laughs> actually allows Teferi Time Raveler. I mean, it's called historic until they started trying to balance it, right? But I, I don't think you should and allow... conveniently, they balanced it in the way where all my cards that I liked aren't playable. <laughs> but oh, they got rid of Veil of Summer 2, Krim. So they're trying oh, to be a oh, little fair. Oh, please. There's, there's much more than that. I mean, how is there still an Uro being casted? How are we seeing Nyssa? But no, we can't have three fairy. No, we can't have that. No, not not at all. Krim can't have fun. Yeah, I think they should probably do, like, timed events. Like, just unbanned historic or something, like, every couple of weeks. But I don't think you should flood the unranked queues like the unranked queues a lot of people play in them you don't want you know their experience to be miserable if it's all filled with like teferis and uros and whatnot uh so i think that mode should be balanced then a lot of people actually play in unranked to prepare for ranked so i think the two should actually just be the same i don't think uh we should oh what if but what if they did this every there's you know like we can actually make use of the suspended cards see all these cards let's just say hypothetically if you know anybody from wizards is listening and they're like hey nissa who shakes the world and uro those could be suspended right not banned whatever and then um every month (laughs) you could have it as uh you could say like instead of season 342 of historic it could be teferi season for that month they unsuspend Teferi or Three Fairy. <laughs> and then there's just a list of banned cards that they unsuspend, right? There's one card they unsuspend for every month. And then that could be the name of the season. So like Nissa season. Nissa is unbanned this season. And then Veil of Summer is un- I just wouldn't play the season, but like <laughs> <laughs> I mean I, I think I think that's the problem, right? Like what if it's uh you know Teferi season and like no one wants to play and Krim is queued by himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, Krim, yeah. Krim versus Bizarro Krim every match just the like, two of them like, like battling it out summer, with their Teferis Veil of Summer season are you playing Krim? <laughs> Once Upon a Time Veil of uh, Summer Nissa <laughs> season Once Upon a Time season will be a thing and I just won't I, I, I can deal with that I could see that maybe Maybe, I don't know. We'll see how I feel about it. But, like, my issue is, yeah, like, I mean, I like, right? Could that be cool? I mean, I don't know. Maybe at least when it comes to, like, now you have a season because I don't even know what season we're playing on uh, for Mythic, right? It's just like season three hundred and forty-two, right? I, I don't know, but like it, it's it's easier this way to also mark what season you're playing in. So. I I do like the special event idea. I don't know if I'd want like actual like competitive quote unquote historic to have ban a different ban card every season, but I do think that could be like a fun special event. I always wonder why Wizards hasn't found a way to do like. Kind of like Tavern Brawls on Hearthstone. I always, like, when I played Hearthstone a little bit, I would play a lot of the Tavern Brawls, and some were better than others, but some of them were, like, really fun, and they're just, like, weird, wacky formats. I feel like Wizards could do more with that. They do it a little bit with, like, occasionally having Momir or, like, Omniscience Draft, but I feel like you could have those running kind of like Hearthstone does, where there's one every week that's always running for the entire week rather than once in a while on the weekend or something. And then that would be a cool place to do uh, Teferi Unbanned Historic or whatever, so. Yeah. Uh, next up, AJ Hewitt. Would you be happier if Jeweled Lotus Red tap sacrifice at one mana of any color for each time a commander has been cast this game? Wait, 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 wait. What, what was the text on that again? Add one mana of any color for each time a commander has been cast this game. So I guess that counts your commanders and everyone else's commanders. Um, so that would keep it from being like, turn one, play my commander, essentially, because no one would have played their commander at that point. But it would power up throughout the game, so in the late game, it would kind of be cast your commander once for free, more or less. Yeah, so essentially it's a free uh, a free commander uh, in the late game, and obviously not great in the early. Um, that could be That could be interesting. Right, I don't think it's like broken by any means. I mean, it's a dark ritual for like later in the game, but I think that's the problem with all these like Lotus cards. Either they're insanely broken or they're like not playable, and either one is not good, right? Like you want them to be playable, but you don't want them to be game warping. Uh, I think this one is too much on the unplayable side. I think it's too conditional, and I don't know what you'd do with it. But there's possibly some kind of combo. Uh, maybe you can like 
bounce your commander and recur this thing somehow to just like go infinite mana but i don't know this this is hard this is not like normal jewel lotus where you're like okay i have commander yes i play this okay so <laughs> uh hato 200 how much of an effect do you think Navinral had on the changing of commander death rules i don't know what this is referring to what what uh the new <clears throat> the new Navinral where you sacrifice it to uh blow everything up yeah what 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 does the changing of the death rules I'm, I'm trying to look up point of venerals so a weird word to spell yeah like, i always I call always... it nev i always just say nev's disc <laughs> and i apparently have no idea how to actually <laughs> how to actually spell the venerol <laughs> i've actually N- been calling it niv's e- disc <laughs> not niv visit nev yeah n-e-v-i-n-r all right all right we oh, we got, got, there. got I just it google completed it okay <laughs> i pulled up no i pulled up the commander legend spoiler page mtgpreviews.com where you can see all the spoilers and just scroll down till i found it so <laughs> when it when it dies you can pay one and if you do you blow up everything so i think with the old rule it would never actually die it would just go to the command zone, so that ability like just wouldn't work under the old rule. Oh, as a commander, yeah, I see, I see, yeah. I see. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna say it has zero effect. I think this this was like a long time coming. This was something that was not intuitive to most players, and it just made like cards weird in commander. That if it's a commander, you don't get a death trigger. Uh, so I think they were just fixing commander in general, and then Divinral takes advantage of this new fix. I feel like. It probably is a small piece of it. I feel like Neveneral and Commander and Legends in general might explain, like, the why of the rule change happening not that long ago. Like, I think with this set coming out, maybe Wizards is going back and looking through all the rules and being like, what can we improve? But I think it's a pretty, like, obvious and good rules change that would have happened sooner or later, regardless of Neveneral being a creature or, like, Commander Legends being printed. So maybe it, like was part of the clock and why it happened right at the time that it did, but I think it was going to happen either way. Uh, maximum kill for a multiplayer client. What do you think of an official version of Magic Workstation? The client would need very basic function and card images. The players handle the rulings and interactions by themselves. Should take less than five years to make. So like a client uh, where it's literally like just playing paper magic, where you just have cards <laughs> with the images and backs, you can shuffle them, and then it's up to you to enforce all the rules. So I think my question would be, we already have several of those, like Magic Workstation, Cockatrice. Cockatrice. Uh, there's a Is whole it bunch. Cockatrice? Uh, I, don't, I could be mispronouncing uh, it. It, could, so it I, could be Cockatrice. I know, <laughs> I know that it's not Cockatrice, uh, but I, I, I know that. I know that. But I, <laughs> but <laughs> What would an official version give us, though, that those don't, other than, I guess, you don't have to worry about the gray area of legality or whatever, uh... And how would Wizards profit off it when there's already free versions available? Would they, like, I don't think anyone's going to buy cards cards. for that. But then why wouldn't I just play Magic Workstation or Kaka Trice? Kaka Trice. Kaka Trice. 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 Come on, guys. (laughs) Kaka Trice. I I I don't think they would release this product because uh, it's just hard to use. Like, why why would you do this? Um, But... People would pay for it. I think some people would pay for it in the same way. Like, why buy magic cards? Just buy proxies, right? Like, why, why play arena? Just play cockatrice, right? Like, just a, a nicer, officially sanctioned version. Uh, but I think it's just like too difficult. To, like, magic is hard enough as is. Now you just have like literally no rules or anything to help you. Like, I, I don't think oh. it's worth the, uh, kind of the investment for wizards to do this. They, they might as well just do the full blown real magic. And I think the rules actually really actually do matter. Like, I think if you play Magic a ton, sure, you know the rules for the most part. But my experience with playing uh, some of those clients in the past, that was that's because, you know, I play a lot of Magic. Uh, I, I get pretty uh, addicted to playing Magic. So Moto, this was before Arena. They always would have downtime every single Wednesday. So I'd have to get my Magic fix on Wednesdays when there was no Magic online. So that was like the day of the week when I play Cockatrice or Workstation or whatever. And I definitely remember like playing Modern against someone on there. And I cast a Thoughtseize and they rebanded it. 
And I was like, okay, sure, like, cast the thought seize again. And they flipped out, or like, you're a cheater, that's against the rules, you can't recast the card that I remand, and like, rage quit the game. So I think having a rules engine is actually, like, kind of necessary to make games against random opponents that you don't know work. Yeah, and I mean, like, every week our commander clash, we're like, what does this do? I don't know, we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Right? There's always, like, these weird edge cases, or... We're pulling up uh, the gatherer page, reading like the the clarifications. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that's that's pretty critical. Uh, Jimmy Hope. Now that Kaladesh remastered is on Arena, do you think they'll keep going back in time? So Shadows Block uh, will be the next remastered, or do you think they'll do things differently after Pioneer Masters? I mean, if you add Shadows Block, we're pretty much almost there we're missing only one other very popular block but i mean because i i actually think shadows would would make sense because shadows was uh there were cards from shadows uh when this was in closed beta if i recall like when they were actually like when they were just testing and like like arena just got announced i think like it was like gabby sparts and like uh, i think it was like amaz right those two were the the two that were um testing out the early very 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 early client of arena do you all remember what i'm talking about i i do remember that yeah there were i don't know if it was all of them but i there were at least some eldritch moon and shadows of arena Strahd that were on arena early in the beta i will i definitely do remember that they were like crypt breaker and some of the zombies like yeah. i specifically remember zombies from that set being on arena at one point yeah and i mean then we could actually have a zombies deck and not have it be completely laughed at <laughs> uh but like yeah no like I think that Shadows and that whole block, like the uh, over Innistrad, that that block could be really cool and kind of makes sense because I think some of it's already was already programmed into the game. So we know that they're working back towards Pioneer. They mention that like pretty yeah. regularly. So we have Shadows block that would be the next one. Then there's Battle for Zendikar. There's Khans, Theros, and Return to Ravnica. So there's still several blocks to go to actually have all the Pioneer sets. I wouldn't be surprised if Wizards' plan is to keep working backwards, as they have been, while also supplementing with Master Sets, which hopefully will be where some of the cards that are missing from the Master Set, because or missing from the Remix Sets or Remastered Sets, will actually show up. Because obviously, if you're taking three blocks that are 750 cards and kind of like boiling that down to a 250-ish card set, you're not going to be able to include everything. So there are a few cards that have stuck out from some of the remastered sets that haven't shown up in the client and we still will probably need for Pioneer. So it'd be my guess. Like, keep working backwards with remasters while also throwing in uh, masters well, sets to fill in the gaps. It's safe to say, like, example, this time around, we all know why Walking Ballista wasn't added, right? Like, <laughs> Heliod's already in the format. Uh, but, but yeah, like, I, I hope they do the, these remasters soon. Just next time... Don't leave out my jank cards like Battle at the Bridge. I was trying to build uh, an improvised deck this weekend, and <sighs> I realized that's not on the... Why yeah. did that not get added? That's <laughs> a card that has actually seen some modern play. Like, obviously very fringe, but that is a card that is playable enough that I would definitely argue that it should be on the client to have full pioneer quote unquote so so yeah I'm hoping that that's where the master sets will fill in I think what I'm afraid of is that we end in a point where we have like semi pioneer where we have pioneer but then there's like cards that are missing and I think that would be like a pretty disappointing ending like to me that's not pioneer i think sure you don't have to put on every variation of disenchant because every set has one most of them are strictly worse they are no reason to actually play them but for cards that are unique and actually have seen play in modern or see play in my a pioneer i feel like you got to get all of those onto the client for me to actually say okay we have pioneer now rather than like some like pseudo semi version of pioneer yeah and and like another uh, like yeah like that that would be very important to do. But on top of that, like once like I I, I do like the idea of them adding like how they did with uh, uh whatever the other uh, Amonkhet remastered adding cards like Thoughtseize right like I I know that they said it didn't make sense to add it this time around, but like I I still like that you know like I mean though it was what is it an invocation that there was an invocation Thoughtseize. I'd like to see a little bit more, a little bit extra, just to, like, toss into Historic. So I hope they do more next time around. 
Yeah, I think that's kind of important because it's a way to keep Pioneer and Historic different. And I feel like yeah. if they're going to put them both on the client, they're going to have to be different. I'm actually at this point wondering if people will even switch to Pioneer. I think people play it to some extent, but I'm almost wondering if Historic will remain the more popular format on Arena. But I think either way, they do need to make sure those formats feel different. And adding cards that are not legal in Pioneer, like we saw with the Masterpiece cards in the past, like that's an easy way to uh, to make sure that the two clients have their own, I- or two formats have their own identity. I'm telling you, ensnaring Bridge into blood, historic blood moon, blood moon please <laughs> blood, yes. blood moon yeah yeah oh yeah blood moon please and also ban all enchantment removal so this way <laughs> ramp decks can't ever respond to it and uh, <laughs> except for ugin and then that and that i'm okay with so i'm actually gonna say i i hope they don't do shadows block and i hope they don't do this because uh one of the big concerns when pioneer was announced is like how are you going to acquire all the cards and so far, Wizards is like, you're going to buy all the sets, right? We're going to release every set and you're going to get every single card. Uh, that's making it super expensive, right? Like, I, I, I keep getting these bills from Seth of, like, buying new arena cards, right? And it's just like... And me? Yeah. And we're like, why do we have to keep buying cards? And, like, the, it, I don't know, it just doesn't feel good, right? It just It's just like buying cards just to, like, play a deck rather than, like getting a shiny foil or something like that, right? Like, I, I feel it, it doesn't bring that same joy. So the fact that this is getting super expensive and we're not even, like, there yet, that we have to literally buy every single card and four of, of every single card. So I really dislike that. And I was hoping they'd actually come up with a real solution. Like, if we want to play Pioneer, how can we build a Pioneer deck without literally owning everything, right? And imagine if they put, like, Modern on Arena, you gotta buy like every single magic set for the past like ten years now. Like it's, it's just not good. And I, I I just hope they like actually start addressing it rather than just releasing a set at a time. And uh, you have to buy it. Like you have to buy the standard set. You have to buy some remastered sets. Uh, whatever special edition comes out. Like there's just too much stuff to buy. It's like getting really expensive. The the supplemental sets are definitely the worst too because you don't get the cards typically as like reward packs. You don't get them as much as individual card rewards. So pretty much like you gotta just buy a ton of packs and then use a ton of wild cards if you want to get Kaladesh remastered cards or whatever. So yeah, I've definitely, uh, I mean, I'm super lucky that I get to send Richard the bills, but still I, I feel a little <laughs> bad about it. Cause I'm like, boy, this is actually like, this is getting pretty expensive. I think, uh, to do what we do, it's probably oh, well over a thousand dollars a year at this point with the amount of supplemental sets combined with the four big standard sets. I, I would assume it's a little over a thousand dollars a year that we end up spending on arena, which is kind of an insane amount compared to magic online where you can pay 3% a week or whatever of your loan balance and not actually spend a ton of money at all and play whatever you want yeah i I feel magic online like we we barely ever buy cards even before we could borrow cards uh because you only needed to buy the cards like you needed right you didn't need to buy like the entirety of the set right and then as cards got popular or whatever you could actually just sell them and recoup money uh but arena is just like this constant drain and they keep giving us more product we need to buy and we're just like make it stop Make it stop. Like, I just, like, modern. Can you, like, oh, can you imagine, like, trying to play modern on Arena? Like, congrats. And- <laughs> Please collect 30 sets, four of each. <laughs> and- okay, yeah, like, well, with modern, though, I feel like that's way, like, that's why I don't think modern can exist on Arena. But, but like, Pioneer, like, yeah, like, it, it, it'll be still expensive, like, very expensive. But, how, that, like, Seth mentioned, that's only, like, what? Three more blocks, four more blocks. Yeah, we're we're getting there. It probably, I think there's four more blocks, and then some number of master sets, I would assume. But then that doesn't include like Jumpstart and some of the other stuff. So if you want to, if you want to stay up with Historic, then you kind of got to get some of those cards too. So it'll get better once they backfill the rest of the Pioneer sets. But you'll still have like the random Historic focused supplementals that you'll have to get too. So. Boy, it's, it is expensive. And we're talking about this from an extremely like privileged content creator perspective where, you know, this is something we have to do for our jobs more or less. 
it's got to be a hundred times worse for someone that just wants to play like a cool historic deck or pioneer deck on arena and doesn't have the justification of like, oh, I'm making a YouTube video or, oh, I'm using this for a stream. Like, how does the average player actually play those formats? Like, that's a lot of money for the average player to put out to be able to play pioneer or historic on arena. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, oh, my gosh. Like Dip it into so my secret layer part. money. <laughs> what about all the tabletop products I need to buy too? <laughs> uh, all right, last question. Rob Boville, more fatal scoops play mats when? Soon, TM. Soon, TM. We're, we're, we're restocking fatal scoops. So fatal scoops making a comeback. Uh, that's all the time we have for fish mail this week. Thank you to everyone who sent them in. If you have questions, send them to at mggoldfish with the hashtag mggfishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air. And I believe that brings us to the end of episode 303 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard, Krim, thanks for hanging out. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks to Spikes Academy for supporting the show. And we will be back next week to talk about whatever goes down in the world of magic. So until then, have a wonderful week, everyone. And this is the crew signing out. (laughs) 